You've clicked play, that's the start. Welcome to the wrong in England producer Monster Victory. Ollie Pope plants his flag at number six, and Michael Vaughan has some things to say about Tom Banton. I was sat in the cabinet room and I was like hosting me on meeting. The big man, the fridge is open. He's flown like a gazelle. What can Chris Gale do? He goes long. Oh, you right. You've got a man beside you. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Hello, everybody. My name's Bertie Moores. I'm Ollie Godden. And I'm Max Parry. Fantastic. And this is The Wrong End, the best and most comprehensive cricket podcast out there. Well, if comprehensive means a youthful approach with correspondents born in the T20 era, with probably, I don't know, knowledge more questionable than Johnny Bairstow defending a ball in the stumps, then we're probably be you guys. But would you say that your knowledge is comprehensive? I think mine is maybe like a B at GCSE at best, lads. Yeah, I'd say mine's sort of like a, a James Hildreth um not enough uh, recognition for his talents and sort of still waiting to be discovered. Yeah, I think mine probably translates into sort of equivalent cricket ability like Joe Denley's leg spin. Right, okay. Interesting. Max? I, I would consider myself something of like a Sam Northeast, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I have I've definitely feel like I've contributed much, but similar to sort of James Hildreth, you, ne- never likely to be recognised at any... Uh, at any uh, international level. I mean, it's good to know that sure. the like fairly, obs- fairly relatively obscure county cricketers are already coming out. <laughs> yeah, we're already stumping our credentials. Yeah, that's good. yeah. Uh, but yeah, every single, uh, every couple of weeks, uh, we'll all gather in different parts of the country. Two of us are in the climbs, uh, the sunny climbs of Stoke, and Max is under his own duvet uh, in uh, in the sort of in the southeast. And we'll try and give you our weekly, bi-weekly dump of everything cricket related. And while I don't think our knowledge can quite hold a candle to the ability of Ollie Pope, his 135 not out the other week is pretty something special. He's making that number six slot his own, isn't he? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, he yeah. is. Yes, yeah, so go on, Ollie. So, as a, go on, Ollie. As a fellow Ollie, do you think it's a fair assessment that he's made the number six his own like no man for England since perhaps Bobby Moore? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fair comparison. I think it is very English, isn't it, to to see one thing and then automatically jump on the bandwagon and and assume that he is the sort of the next Don Bradman um but i mean he's he's deser- he's rightly deserved the recognition sorry he's got the recognition he deserves um, i think Dan in an article uh, for the wrong hit the nail on the head when he said he's sort of a blend of the the approaches of Bayliss and uh Silverwood put together he's um attacking in 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 the right places but has a, a stubborn and and solid defensive game which is obviously needed in test cricket and he, he he does just seem to plug that gap, doesn't he, Max? He he is like the number six, and they've been crying out for someone just to come in and plug it, even if their kind of middle order was previously very good with the likes of Moeen Ali. But it's been a little bit missing for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I, I completely agree with um with with the with the fanfare actually that he's been getting, and I know that it's really easy for us to you know someone gets a big score. I mean, people are saying it about Sibley. Sibley's got a hundred, and suddenly he's in the side for the next ten years. But I think with Pope, he reminds me of um, when Stokes first came into the side in that horrible down under tour where Mitchell Johnson just terrified the likes out of Trot and the rest of and the rest of England squad and ruined a few careers. When Stokes came in, he had this. You just you just knew that he was going to be in the squad. That he was going to be a, a linchpin for England for the foreseeable future and I think Pope's got that same aura and that same presence just by the way just by the nature of the way he plays 
and and the effect that he has is has had on um, South Africa in the field. Um, yeah, I, I just think he's a he's a real class act, and actually, like he's one of those few players that has got county form and, and and county statistics, and completely seems to be able to translate that into the international arena. So I think he's going to be around for a very very long time. I think if I can, I think credit has to go a little bit towards the, the selectors. I think there's a bit. I mean, Taylor and Smith are a bit of a meme nowadays, aren't they? They're never seen without each other. A bit of an Anton Deck. Uh, you just hear the word chief selector very often, <laughs> yeah. and it's not in any other sport you hear as much about the selectors because ultimately they just like they write names down on the back of a fag packet and go, "There you go, work with that." Yeah, but like you always see Ed Smith sat there, legs crossed, sort of smouldering, as if he knows there's a TV camera there. Um, but fair play to him and. Uh, Taylor for sort of I suppose not recognising the lights of Pope but seeing them and then giving him and, and Crawley and, and guys like that opportunities when they haven't necessarily amassed hundreds and hundreds of runs but, but, but Pope's but done exactly that he's like well, averaging 60 in first class cricket if there's anyone that's going to walk into that England side when I, everyone's bad it's probably it I agree to an extent but you look at uh, South Africa and this series and their selection policy has been very much wait until someone's be, until uh, a player's been doing it for you know five six seven years rather than someone like Pope who uh, has had you know an extraordinary couple of seasons last year obviously only came back in at the end of the season once he had his once he's recovered from his shoulder injury and had uh, a great second half of the season but he's not done it for years and years and years no. so credit has to go to them for saying right he's obviously got talent he's done it in 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 um in areas in the county championship and he deserves opportunity and and he's obviously taken it very well but it's exciting for england isn't it i suppose for the both of you that it's been very rare since an england player has come along and someone's gone they're gonna be in that side for 10 potentially 15 years and people can get very very ahead of themselves but there's a way that pope plays there's a maturity on his shoulders like he's he's such a classy player and you keep hearing people talk about like ian bell in terms of like how he cuts the ball for example but there's there are sort of senses that it's it's completely justified being excited about. I mean, it's interesting the comparison with Bell because from a purely aesthetic perspective, I can completely understand it. But you've got to remember when Bell got into the side, he broke into that what 2004, 2005 after Graham Thorpe got dropped, and he but he was known as the Shermanator to the Australians and was someone actually who was uh, you know known for having mental fragility, which Pope really obviously doesn't have. <laughs> And like people weren't talking of Bell in the same way as we're talking of Pope now. And look what a player Bell became. I mean, perhaps perhaps the secret is therefore not to big up young emerging talents to the extent that we are. But I, I, I you know, I really forgive it. I would forgive anyone for bigging up Ollie Pope because he seems to be the complete package at a very very young age and plays really mature innings as the as the one three five showed. So a little bit of context for everyone listening. Uh, we're recording two podcasts back to back today. This first one we're going to be focusing on England mammoth. Pretty mammoth test of victory at Port Elizabeth by an innings and 53 runs, I think it was in total. And we're going to be looking at all the things that happened in that test. Now, when we're recording, we are recording at the end of the third day of the fourth test. And so uh, in the next couple of days after this pod's released, you'll get another one which will summarise the whole whole series. But we're pretty confident England aren't going to throw it away having set 470 plus for uh, South Africa to get. But in that third test and the, and the test that come before it, do you think that the likes of Ollie Pope coming in sort of suddenly solve a lot of those England batting issues? <laughs> like, are, are those issues still there or yes. are we getting a little bit ahead of ourselves? Like, none of the top four in the third test reached 50. We're still relying on Stokes. And Pope's innings when he came in was very good, but even if they do get a big total, it doesn't really mask a lot of the shortcomings, does it? No, we are 
I mean, cricket is an inherently fickle game, isn't it? We all do well. Well, it looks as if we've done well in South Africa, getting a series win, hopefully. Um, and it only takes two, three tests for that sort of excitement to, to fade again. So I don't think the, the issues are solved. We've got plasters in the right places, if you like, at the moment. Obviously, Crawley's gone up to open the batting and done very well in Rory Burns' absence. Um, I think you, Bertie, wrote a thing yourself, even saying that Burn, all Burns' is hype. He's not been necessarily outstanding in his tenure opening the batting. That's sort of 35 average um, around there. Sibley has got his flaws outside the off stump um, again, but he's, you know, they haven't really, South Africa haven't really exploited that. So, listen, I, I think they've played very well in South Africa, but South Africa haven't necessarily <laughs> exploited the areas um, in which we are weak. So there there are areas for weaknesses that need to be addressed over the over the coming year or so, especially leading to the Ashes, Bertie. I hope that doesn't offend you by saying that no. we're no. An I, Ashes I mean, cycle, I don't like us just talking about the Ashes, but it seems like a, a good series in South Africa has sort of dispelled this just Ashes chat. But but Max, like that number six spot spot is now pretty much plugged, isn't it? It is pretty much plugged. I actually think it, and not wanting to bring up an article that I've written for the wrong <laughs> that you can access online, but um. I think it actually creates a bit of a problem for Joe Root from a very personal perspective, which is that before Pope was an undroppable member of the side, which he unquestionably is now, there was an argument to say that you could you could afford to bring in a batsman, potentially someone like Owen Morgan, if you were to if you were to read the article, you would see that um, and and take the leadership away from Root and enable Root to find form again and become the world-class player, become one of the big four once again. Uh, the, the problem is now, and it's a curious problem, because ultimately England are now a stronger side for having Pope scoring runs, obviously. But it's a curious problem because Root now can't really pass the captaincy to anyone from outside of the squad. So the only players in the squad, the, the only players that you can give the captaincy to are probably Burns, but he's injured and actually now his place, if probably keeps scoring runs, Burns is out till after Sri Lanka that creates a bit of a headache you probably I don't think you should give it to Stokes really because he's a talismanic stroke maker he's also got a bit of a hot head as we've seen this week as we'll cover Um, in future future podcasts I'm sure yeah sorry um Broad, broad again, hot-headed cricketer. There aren't there aren't obvious candidates within the side. People are talking about Butler. I'm sure we'll get onto him. Um, so Root is sort of burdened with the captaincy now, whether he should keep it or not, because I don't know who else you're going to give it to. And now there aren't there isn't actually space in the batting order to insert a um, a specialist skipper Morgan think- type figure I, I agree but i think i think i think someone like pope coming in definitely makes root's job a lot easier in a way in that he knows that there's a little bit more quality down there in in the batting lineup and there's probably i imagine generally when he comes into bat root won't have as much expectation on his shoulders for the batting so that hopefully will help well, his captaincy I'm, I'm i'm not sure if that's necessarily true i'd actually say and and talking about england being a stronger side for for the players that have come in this tour i'd actually say Crawley, if he continues to score runs, is a more important find than Pope in a way. And the, and the same goes for Sibley, because we've had stroke make, making middle order players that can score runs for a while. Probably not of Pope's quality, um, but really the reason England haven't been a, a world class test team is because we haven't been 50 for naught, 100 for one for a very long time. And actually, Crawley and uh, obviously Sibley and, and you could include Denley in that because he soaks up a lot of deliveries I think actually goes a long well, way 30 to take deliveries and then goes more than uh, a route more than um, Pope does but yeah, in, a, in, a, in a sense the, the other big the big star of that batting lineup at the moment and has been for the past 18 months or so is is 
is a certain Ben Stokes, and he put on 203 for that fifth wicket with uh, with Ollie Pope. And it, it seems as though every single podcast or article you listen to or read heaps so much praise on Ben Stokes. But it, it is impossible for us to ignore, however, isn't it? Like 120 this test, just awarded ICC World Cricketer of the Year. Do you think it's all fair, all this all this praise that's been heaped on him? Can't field, though, can he? No, I can't field. <laughs> Chop three catches. <laughs> now, obviously, he... he he does again deserve the applaudits that he gets. He balances out this England side so well <laughs> without him. Um, I mean, sorry, with him, we've been able to not play a spinner and have the option of, of someone bowling uh, quickly. And uh, and he brings um, uh, a gravitas to the batting lineup, whether that needs to be sort of a, a defensive blockade or a bit of an attacking flair, which he has shown in this series. So he provides a balance, which... Otherwise, we, we wouldn't really have. There's not really many alternative all-rounders either in, in county championship cricket who are crying out to be selected. Yeah, he's like he's like the glue that just comes in and will just adapt to whatever the situation is, isn't he? You can either stick around or, or bash it about. But I think, that, as we said, that, that big total at Port Elizabeth shouldn't be entirely masked by the fact that there are still some issues within that batting lineup that, let's, let's face it, against at the moment a pretty poor South African side can't really be matched. But, I mean, let's face it, you're not going to win a test without taking 20 wickets. And it's pretty rare that we see the spinners step up to such a mark in, in that sort of fashion, isn't it, Max? Particularly when they're part-time spinners, half of them. Uh, are you talking about uh, the skipper? Uh, but the skipper, the skipper, Joe Denley, uh, Don yeah. Bess. Uh, Bess seems to be like coming of age, doesn't he? Or do we think it's a little bit premature? But he's, he, it's his big breakout, isn't it? It's a big breakout. Yeah, sorry. I, I think it's really hard to tell with Bess because he's been the second spinner at Somerset for, well, I, presumably since he's been there, I don't know. Um, he doesn't... I mean, he was a very vanilla selection when he got <laughs> the call-up, and all credit to him for taking the wickets that he did. Um, I wonder whether, being super cynical, he profited from a South Africa in complete disarray. And, you know, ultimately, with so many chinks in their armour, you know, you don't really know where to look. But it creates a problem for the selectors now because... I mean, Parkinson, what Parkinson is well, thinking... Well, I, 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 I mean, it, it confuses me with Parkinson in that what's the point in taking him on two tours if you're not going to yeah. play him in one game? Now, if you then lose your frontline spinner and then someone of, like... I mean, you could probably f- fairly argue of maybe a similar age and ability comes out because he's an off-spinner rather than leggy, you're almost a bit like, well, even if he's not been great in the tour matches, like, what's the point in taking him there? Yeah. Absolutely, because he, I mean, he could be I, playing. He would be he would likely be playing the big bash at the moment. Otherwise, yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's a very good point, actually. From his from his um, career progression perspective, he would be a be- presumably be a better cricketer in general for playing in Australia in a really high quality tournament rather than bowling in the nets, you know, for a few months. I mean, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, I think it's interesting, really, because they they've obviously taken a bit of a well. Best was a. A conservative selection but now they're going to be in a position where they're going to have to take a bit of a chance on him because he's he's pretty undroppable i think the fortunate thing is the next tour is sri lanka so it lends itself i mean the last time we were there we played three spinners and adil rashid it seems to be completely out of the picture now so that opens up another opportunity well he's playing white ball basically isn't he yeah exactly and his shoulder's a problem and moen ali has said he doesn't want to play test cricket anymore so you know i think the selectors are fortunate in that um the next tour enables them to, to, to blood the you know the spinners that they would otherwise have to choose between. Um, but it's a really curious decision and one that, you know, it, uh, it, it somewhat undermines my confidence in Tweedledum and Tweedledee. 
I must say. Yeah, I, I think I think for in the, on the test itself, it, as you said, it really doesn't reflect well in South Africa, does it? Or Kesh Maharaj. So he took five wickets, but for 180 runs, and then Bess, who's played like five tests, and Root, who isn't a spinner but is a, is a batsman comes in and just rips through the order twice like England could play the spin and South Africa couldn't it's a bit in, bit of an embarrassment for them really isn't it uh, yes <laughs> I mean with all due respect to Maharaj if he's listening he's sort of he's not playing at the moment so if he's got some downtime he's made he's made a career out of sort of being the, the best option I'd say I did quite a lot of analysis before the series started about South African spinners and there's not really a wealth of options. I think Simon Harmon would probably be in with a pretty good shout if he wasn't um, toiling over for, for Essex. So, yeah, I, it doesn't obviously ref- reflect well on, on Maharaj, but I don't think it's a massive shock necessarily. I, again, I don't mean to be too disrespectful, but he's not, you know, he's not a world-class spinner. Yeah, and Root just like pulling out the bag like out of nowhere. He, he really, really wanted five wickets, didn't he? Because he got his first four for like 40 and then that last wicket, he was just getting smashed around the park by Maharaj in person. He's always, I mean, it's interesting. He's always a, been a particularly dangerous bowler and I've always wondered why he hasn't bowled more. Um, and if he was to, if he was to be considered a genuine batting all-rounder, it would, it would offer greater balance to the side further. But, yeah, it, it, it's funny. He did. He, I mean, he absolutely chased it in the end, which and it became quite embarrassing. Um, he shouldn't have. Did he bowl after the new ball? I think he did, didn't he? Uh, he put in a lot of overs. If you're going for 87, he's uh, he got the wickets, but he was clearly so desperate to get that fifer. Yeah, it, yeah, it became a bit embarrassing. I think sometimes you do have to give up the ghost. But um, how much do you think? How much do you think him being captain affects his ability to be a batting all rounder? In terms of, you're never quite sure when to bowl yourself. What and... in that he's thinking? I could be the next Callis. I don't think he's quite thinking that, but just generally, you, you don't want to be bowling yourself too often because you will get labelled with this. Like, I mean, it's happened once. And no, it's, it's true. It's true. But like, as we've seen in this series, England haven't been like, oh, we've got this frontline spinner and they're going to do all these overs. Like, they've not played. They're not playing the spinner in the fourth test at the moment. They didn't do it in the first one because uh, Jack Leach was just ill with everything by the sounds of it. Mm. And and Root said in interviews before this test that it, it, they've got himself and they've got Denley. So. They're always an option to come in and churn through a few overs if required. And Denley's spin's got a lot better over the past few years. So I don't think that necessarily people are thinking, oh, well, root playing means that he's just going to bowl himself all the time. But if it's an option, it's an option. Yeah, and in South Africa as well, where it's not not notorious for spin, it's... <clears throat> I mean, Beth, the whole Beth was selection was he was put in there to to contain. He wasn't put in there to take wickets. Obviously, he did as it, as it transpired. But in South Africa, you want your spinner to turn your arm over, not go for too many uh, and give your seamers a little bit of a rest. And that's why Bess was chosen. That's why Root essentially bowled as well. And then they were, they both turned out to be um, pretty good selections in the end. But I don't think that's necessarily indicative of, of fantastic bowling as, as much as it is pretty poor batting as well. But yeah, things definitely on the up for England, right? No emails this week due to the fact it's our first show. But if you've got anything to raise, then please, please email us. It might be a story of uh, of your cricket life, escapades, or just your views on anything that we're saying. But email us at bertiemores at gmail.com because I'm not setting up an email server for the wrong and yet unless we until we've got... I don't know, should we call it 500 regular listeners? Are we all getting access to that account then? You, no, you're not getting access to my <laughs> to my official email account. <laughs> uh, but no, so do email us any time, uh, but uh, we'll be back in just a minute. I don't think at this stage of his career, going to spend six weeks in India, probably sitting on the bench with the Calcutta Knight Riders, in and around Brendan McCullum, great, is the best move for his career. 
I think the best move for Tom Batman's career is to play four-day cricket for Somerset. That was former England captain Michael Vaughan talking about his views on Tom Banton. And you really do wonder day by day how England managed to win the 2005 Ashes with him at the helm or in the team. Because he just comes out with so many just like cricket galaxy brain stuff every so often, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. He is cliche city, unfortunately. Um, his, I mean, I, I'm not. I don't want to promote his his various social media channels, but his uh, his Instagram is absolute comedy gold. It, it, it's it's it borders on um, the Yorkshire partridge, I must say. <laughs> Something that we won't be won't be definitely against. But like his view, generally speaking, he he went on Five Live and on his show with Tuffers and Vaughan. It's it's entertaining rather than insightful. I'd like to think that we can balance both, but that's always questionable. But he went on and saying that Tom Banton, nah, he's he's off playing the IPL in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Should we? Uh, should he? Should he do that as a 21-year-old? Earn a load of money, earn a load of prestige, come one of the best white players in the game, maybe. Nah, he should should go play at Somerset, <laughs> where he'll earn like pennies and play in front of old people. Like I, I just, I just don't understand the thinking. He's like, put him at six and move Pope to three. Pope's the only like solid thing we've gained from this series. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a little bit of, not, I wouldn't say tongue in cheek necessarily, but there's a little. I'm sure what he's done a little bit is put a statement out there to try and get a little bit of a you know, a, a backlash, get some comments going kind of thing. Um, and I can see merit in his statement in that Tom Banton is obviously unbelievably talented. It is equally a ludicrous statement because him, Banton playing Red Bull would invariably take away from his white ball game in as much as playing white ball takes away from a Red Bull game, if that makes sense. Um, and why, who is born to say that he shouldn't be out in the IPL or the, or with the Big Bash or, I don't know, Pakistan or Bangladesh earning money where uh, and exploiting the, exploiting the talent that he clearly has. So, yeah, not entirely serious, I don't think, from Vaughan, but um, who am I to say? Well, that's my th- I think that's one of my slight things with Vaughan is that I, he is a fairly entertaining pundit and, and clearly he's got a lot of experience in the game, but he does just sort of latch onto it. He's a bit like a like a cricketing Robbie Savage in that he'll have an idea, <laughs> it'll like pass through his brain and he'll just say it and and then yeah. he'll like, for example, people in the studio, some of us really like the 100, some of us think it's all right and some of us might think it's bad. But like it does seem whatever thing that just happens in cricket, someone puts a proposal in or something and he's, he'll be like one minute saying, oh, well, they're not focusing on tests and then the next minute they're like, well, let's just put Tom Banton into the test side. Like It's just whatever throws through his head just comes back out. Yeah, also, it, it, that suggestion is completely... Not in, insane in, in that it doesn't necessarily make sense, although I would question it, but because there's no there's no precedent of that actually um, being the case mm. with respect to you have to go and play county cricket to go and play for England. Jason Roy's selection and Joss Butler's persistent selection would suggest otherwise. If he, you know, earmarks himself, if he shows himself to be a truly enterprising, you know, once-in-a-generation talent, He'll get selected at some point or other. Mm. He won't necessarily need to exactly play at Taunton in front of three men and their dog. You know. Uh, well, come on, that's a bit harsh. There's at least five men and their dogs. Well, yes, I, I presume they all have dogs. I, I don't know, but um... I think <laughs> scheduling would still technically allow him to play a lot of the Somerset season anyway. And yeah, he's, he's obviously played batting at six for Somerset for the last two years, so year two years, and he's not been standout. Like I'm, I'm not saying that he necessarily should he be. He's twenty one. Yeah, but so is Ollie Pope. Like, if he was... Yeah, but, but, but they're, they're, like, they're like chalk and cheese but the same batsman and that one is test, one is red ball, one is white ball, yeah. and they're clearly just blitzing it in their respective quarters for each of them. Yeah, that... Was... No, no one's saying that Ollie Pope should suddenly be playing 2020, are they? 
No, but it, we don't need to shoehorn Banton into this test side just because he can, like, exactly. ramp, ramp, reverse, pull anyone he wants over the top of the SCG. Or... Look, I'm sure Michael Vaughan would love to see some reverse ramp pulls at the SCG <laughs> in the last two years. <laughs> Rever- reverse ramp, ramp pulls. Uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of Tom Banton and his, like, glorious hitting, I think it's suitable to discuss the person, for me, who does the best job in cricket, the sound engineer for the Big Bash oh, broadcast. Oh, my God. Literally, the 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 Big Bash Twitter is literally my go-to. Like, it's the first thing I listen to in the morning. It's the last thing I listen to at night. Yeah, I don't know what they, I don't know what they do. I don't know what's in their stump mics, but I'll have it's whatever like, they're having. Uh, I'll just play a clip for you now. It's like cricket ASMR, isn't it? It's I, like I knew that was coming. It's, it's, like, that was coming. it's like someone's like uh, bashing like a big hollow wooden gong, like right <laughs> in your ears, and you're like tinny earbuds. It's just like. Every single time they go for a That's six. a remarkable impression. And I, I, I don't know why no one's ever done this before, because that would have improved the T20 Blast so much, because the YouTube highlights are so well put together, because they're really snappy, and not that I think that cricket should always be something that's snappy, but I can't watch the game of the Big Bash games, because it's on BT, and it's on in the middle of the night, and all I get is just a lovely little snippet of, like, Liam Livingston just standing up and, like, tonking it for six, and they, like, put a xylophone sound on it. It's lovely. I think it's also helped by Mike, Michael Slater's accompaniment of like, yeah. whoa, as the ball sort of sails into the sand. But uh, it sounds like you guys like need, need it psychologically, it seems, it? that it's really offering some sort of uh, it is. Uh, psychological help. Yeah, I mean, it is. Like, Ollie's living in Stoke and I'm living at home, so, uh, so you've got to get your enjoyment somewhere. You're thrilled. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. I'm, uh, I'm just happy. But... Um, yeah, no, the, the big. I mean, the big batch is good. I, I really hope, and I'm sure we're going to be moving on to the hundred. I, I hope not to uh, to segue too soon. Well, we but... uh, we will talk about the hundred, but we will also do some proper videos and stuff on the hundred. Uh, come down the line, see what we think of it. I know Satch Agarwal, our in-house stat man, Satch Agarwal, as he is now known, uh, he is very much against it. So we'll rope everyone in. But yeah, go on, carry on. No, I was just going to say that, that from a from a marketing perspective, the the hundred could could really. Uh, could do a lot worse than the Big Bash. I, I find it the least uh, irksome of all of the franchise leagues. Not to say that, that the Big Bash is perfect and that I absolutely love it, but um, it, it, it is a bloody good competition. Mm. I, I'm fortunately blessed with, uh, with BT Sport, um, so it, it, it is something I can enjoy visually as well as uh, audibly. But uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a bloody good show. I, I completely um, agree with you, Max, and it's, it's one of those, in, in my opinion, it's sort of hard to put your finger on what they do so well. If I'm comparing Big Bash and IPL, I, like, I, I really like watching the Big Bash, but I can't really tell you why. It just It's fun to watch. I think it's a few things. I think the, the, their presentation on like YouTube and so on is very, very snappily well done and put together. You recognise a few more of the players because there's more Englishmen involved. So you're a little mm, bit, from like yeah, an outdoor perspective, outside perspective, you are a little bit more interested. But it might just be because it's Aussies on the mics all the time. And it's yeah. like people you've not heard of, but they're like just screaming at a six that's gone like for the 20th yeah. time into the stands. It's like they genuinely love every moment. I haven't got Vuvuzelas piercing my eardrum as well, which helps. Well, where are you hearing Vuvuzelas? Are you watching the set? What's the yeah, set? Why, like? why are you watching the South African 2010 World Cup? <laughs> We're I- on a completely different IPL. topic. In the IPL. It's just noisy. You know, I'm a purist. I think there is a lot for 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 the ECB to learn. Looking at the Big Bash, and it's running. I think this is its ninth year that it's been running, and it seems to do a lot of the things that you imagine they could just try and do in the T20 Blast or 
whatever, like aside from setting up an entirely new competition, it is easier for them to do because they only really have a limited number of states and teams. So they don't have that issue of, well, do we have two tiers? Do we have certain counties which are going to have to suffer financially or in terms of interest? But they do put it together really well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think also like their 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 stager is is inherently quite impressive just by sheer size and volume. Although that said, there's often quite patchy attendances, which I think is one thing that they really do struggle with. I think I think um, relatively they're getting between fifteen and twenty thousand every match. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, it, but it's like you know, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here in the in the home of the county cha- champions Essex, and as much as Chelmsford is poxy, there is something to be said for a charm. it being packed out and it yeah and it and it and it and it tr- translates very well on the telly um but i think it, it conversely one of the reasons why the big bash is so good is that it's played in magnificent stadia in in really um sort of i don't know high ticket stadia in a way that when you're watching sussex against you know north ant at hove it really doesn't translate in the same way i appreciate the hundred won't be played at those grounds um and that you'd be fine that well, the hundred will be great because it's not a hove then <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I just think, you know, it's going to be played. It's one of, the, one of the strengths of the 100, and not that I'm going to really defend it in any in any meaningful way, but it is that it will be played at the so-called, well, no, the literally, the big grounds, um, which yeah, I think... Phys- a, yeah, they are physically big, I suppose. On, on the topic of the 100, wheeling its merry way into view, there have been a few announcements that have begun to make the whole thing seem a little bit more real. The big news is no crisps on kids' shirts. I would, I would, def- I would defend the hundred to the hills. They're like, I think the opposed the hundred movement is laughable. Anything that happens in the sort of anything that's put out on Twitter, um, they will find a way to shoot down. If there was uh, KP snacks on kids' shirts, they'd be tweeted saying how disgusting they're going to make these children obese. Well, I think I, I, like this idea that people like kids are watching cricket and then like, oh, in the month that is on, gain two stone and are like sort of being taken to a clinic. But it's no different to. It's no different to uh, to uh, gambling. Uh, gambling on football mm. shirts. Gambling's absolutely everywhere in football, but it does seem like every single little bit they're going to have a little nibble at, and that's not even a crisp-related nibble, just a sort of <laughs> Very good. just a sort of have a go at anything. And they did exactly the same with the ticket price announcement this week. Mm. I think kids are about a fiver, adults <laughs> yeah. are about fifteen quid, and it's like on on the one hand you can view it as well, the ECB is trying to make it affordable for everyone, and then the other hand everyone's like, oh, it's a harbinger of poor attendance. It's just going to be dreadful. There. The- I think because by its very nature it has opposition and therefore whatever it says, whatever through through its uh, social media saying that the tickets are cheaper, saying it's not going to be any KP snacks on the uh, shirts, it's going to get, as I say, it's going to get shot down. Um, they'll find a way to, I say they as if it's all some, some of them, us and them territory. The cricket Illuminati. Yeah, which yeah. I suppose it is. I don't know who's in the minority, but... Um, but yeah, the Oppose the 100 movement will find a way to shoot anything down. But I, for one, am looking forward to it. And Ollie, you're not going to be able to wear your... Well, you will be able to, but you won't have to wear your suit in the Lord's uh, in the Lord's Pavilion, will you? Because the MCC are relaxing the dress code for a more welcoming aesthetic. That's good. I won't have to get a suit to wear in the Lord's dressing room. Are you, are you expecting you're going to be there with a, with a, with a, the wrong and mic in hand? I don't know. Who knows? To be honest, I'm... This the is future. The other, this, I mean, I, there is the inherent problem with the 100 is I don't really know who to support i'm a technically yorkshire fan by association but my closest ground is probably the oval which should make me i don't know 
is it a London sp- no it's the Oval Invincibles that's the Oval Invincibles, yeah. Invincibles. So, so, so yeah Max as someone who is Essex born and bred you'll be able to as you've always wanted to do uh, support the uh, support the uh, the Lord's Inheritors or whatever they're called <laughs> yeah it, it's uh, I was absolutely gutted I must say when, when Chelmsford was left out of it all the, the, the home of cricket Chelmsford was bypassed for Lord's I mean, you know, that wasn't going to be my line of argument so much as I was particularly pissed off when our England pick for a hundred ball competition was Rory Burns. Um, <laughs> Look, he can bat all hundred. He can bat all hundred balls. Like he's not going to give away that wicket. No, he's not going to give away that wicket. True, he's really going to take the shine off the white ball by that point. But um, no, I think it's going to be. It is going to be a very interesting competition, and I'm very pleased that it's um, that it's on the BBC on terrestrial mm-hmm. telly. Um, uh, I, I, ju- I just. Yeah, I, I mean, from a from a purely selfish perspective, I, I do fear that the the, the poorly named amongst a, n- a number of poor names, London Spirit, are uh, are not destined for for great things. I'm a big fan of the Manchester Originals, sounding like uh, a suite that my gran has. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, let's have a little bit of a game. Uh, play along at home if you can get any of the answers each week. Right. Yeah. Who's at is the name of the game. It's simple, and I've also been told that this is what tailenders do. But I don't listen to tailenders because I don't like the idea of. <laughs> you don't like cricket. But I don't like I don't like pinching ideas of other shows. So like I try not to do too much pinching, and it turns out that they already do this, which is really disappointing That'll because stand up in court, mate. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Greg. James will be one on one end shouting stuff at me. A lot of people with banners talking about tailenders all uniting, and we'll just have like our five listeners and I don't know, maybe a mate that we knew who did law defending us, and that'll be sort of it. But anyway, I read out a series of clues to a cricketer, past or present, and you go decide who it is. You understand? Simple. I, I do understand. How do I let you know that I want to answer? Uh, so uh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have a buzzer, and uh, each you're gonna have a buzzer, and uh, Ollie, your buzzer is gonna make this noise. Sweet Caroline. And Max, your buzzer does this. Oh, it's bowled him. Here we go. I was born on the 13th of October, 1977. Sweet Caroline. Phil Tufnell. No. I have played 261 first-class matches with a batting average of 23.04. You two are going to be rubbish at this, aren't you? (laughs) I have been contracted to three counties. Are you going to tell us who those counties are? No. (laughs) Okay. They'll get progressively easier, the clue, don't worry. Mm. I have taken 682 first-class wickets. That's a whole lot of wickets. Mm. Sweet Caroline. Graham Swan. You must be. You can't be that old. No, it's not Graham no, Swan. Can't be that old. I have played for my native Yorkshire. Ooh, 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 ooh. Forty-two. Oh, it's balding. Alright, it's not going to be in. Uh, Darren Stevens. No, it's not Darren Stevens. Oh, sweet Caroline. Is it Ryan Sidebottom? It is not Ryan Sidebottom. I played my last test match in 2016. Sweet Caroline. Tim oh, Bresnan. It's, it's, oh, not, it's not Tim nice. Bresnan. It's not, it's not the, the Buckley Yorkshireman. No, it's not. Oh. A- according to Crick Info, my nicknames are Boris and Nora. <laughs> Sweet Caroline. Is it Gareth Batty? It is Gareth <laughs> Batty. Oh, that's good. Yorkshire, Worcestershire, and Surrey spinner 
Gareth Batty. The remaining clues were I spent most of my career at Surrey. My test debut was in 2003 against Bangladesh, and I am currently on the TalkSport 2 commentary team for England's tour of South Africa. And may I say, some fairly some fairly on-point uh, analysis from, from old Gareth, because I think he can probably be described as old Gareth now in the age of 42. I was he going, has I... got an unbelievably nasal voice, <laughs> Gareth Batty. I did not realise. Yeah, it's a very uh, implacable accent, because there's like hints of Yorkshire that come through, but like an eternity at Surrey that balances that out. Yeah, yeah. He, he talks about the intricate. I was listening today, listening to him talk about the intricacies of uh, of spin bowling and how and how one imparts uh, the various spin techniques, which I can say does not translate very well onto radio. No, uh, I can't imagine it does. I think it's more of a visual thing. Well, anyway, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Well, at, at the end of the first Wrong and podcast for today, we'll be back very soon, coming in your ears. Say goodbye, Max. Uh, goodbye. Can I say goodbye, Ollie? Goodbye. And goodbye from myself. See you next time.